and the reading you will find on page 1195 in the Church Bibles. We're reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2 and beginning to read at verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in, the, in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Steve, for sharing that reading for us. It was a long time ago, 50 years ago, but I can just remember um, doing athletics at school <laughs> and representing the school athletics meetings, as well as being involved in individual events, I used to be in the relay team. And in recent weeks, we've been thinking about passing on the baton. And um, Paul was doing that to Timothy in this letter that we're reading here and um, Adrian is doing that to us as he's told us over the last couple of weeks um, that he's passing on the baton to us here in Trull. One of the things I remember about being in the relay team was there was a real nervousness about doing it. You know it's one thing when you were running on your own it was just you but when you had to either pass that baton on to someone else or stand there with your hand behind you getting ready to run, hoping that it would land there, it was a very nervous feeling. It was you know, very nervous about the possibility of messing it all up. If you drop the baton, 
If you didn't hand it over quickly enough, you were out of the race and your teammates weren't very impressed with you. So fortunately, I was often the last man. So I only had to receive the baton and then run for it and uh, just see the line and go for it. And once that baton was in my hand, then I just used to go and hopefully get to the end. Paul thought it important enough to send this letter to Timothy, and Adrian feels it important enough to study this letter for us, to, to help us to get the handover right. Of course, the most vital thing is when we think about this is that we're not on our own. We're not on our own. As we move through this transition period, God is with us. And that's vitally important to remember. And in these verses that we've read today, the main thing that Paul seems to be bringing before Timothy is the need for strength and endurance strength and endurance. But on top of that, he calls him to remember Jesus Christ. For it is in him alone that our power to be strong and to endure lives. So we're going to be thinking this morning about being strong, about enduring hardship and remembering Jesus Christ. So Paul tells Timothy to be strong. There's one thing to tell someone to be strong, isn't it? But it's not easy to do when you're up against problems, when you're facing issues, when you're facing situa situations or, or enemies that seem insurmountable. Remember when Moses sent 12 spies out to spy out the promised land that God had said? And they, these 12 came back and um, ten of them saw a land that was filled with giants, as we used to sing in Sunday school, tough and tall. They were giants who were going to swallow them up. Whereas two of them saw a land full of opportunity and promise. How did they have such a different view? Well, that little song we used to sing in Sunday school had in the, a line about the two good spies, they saw that God was in it all. So Paul tells Timothy to be strong or, or to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul has already reminded him in chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, of the power of the gospel whereby he came to know Jesus where he received forgiveness of sins and the calling to a holy life. None of this was achieved by anything that Timothy had done, but only through God's purpose and eternal grace. And we too need to be strengthened as we remember the grace that God has shown to us as individuals and as a church. Just think of the blessings that God has poured out on us as a church over the past years. We haven't been here at the church very long. Some of you have been here many, many years. Some of you haven't been here very long at all. But I'm sure that if we think back, we can think of some of these blessings. And I, I was thinking, what are those things that immediately come to mind? 
the answers to prayer, people being saved from their sins and made new in Jesus, thinking about people being delivered from difficult situations. Remember when we prayed for Annabelle in the, in the pool where she was so poorly and the church came together and prayed. The amazing miracle of TCCC, CCCC, I never know how many C's to put on it, but you know where I mean, over the road. What an amazing miracle that God provided the, the finance, the, the inspiration, the, oh, the creativity, everything that, that came to do that. And who has achieved all of this? Was it Adrian and Fran? Well, they are good, but, you know, was it us? The congregation here? No, of course not. It was God in his power and his grace. Adrian may move on, but God will still be here with us, his church in trial. He'll also be with Adrian where he's going, which is good news. But what Adrian and those who've worked alongside him have done is to pass on to us sound teaching to prepare us for times such as this. And that's what Timothy was called to do, to use the teaching he had received to help him to be strengthened in whatever he faced, but also to pass it on to others, Paul says, reliable people who will also pass on the truth of the gospel. So the truth of the gospel has been passed on to us, that sound teaching, we now need to pass it on to others. And in doing so, we need to be strong. But secondly, Paul tells Timothy he needs to endure hardship. And Paul gives Timothy three examples to help him to understand the need to endure hardship. He gives him the example of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. As I've meditated on this passage over the past couple of weeks, the thought that has come to me is that the most important thing for all of those three is, is about being prepared. It's about being prepared in advance, being ready. Because as we think about the soldier being engaged in battle, the athlete in a race, or the farmer hoping to reap a good crop, the results will be affected by how good the preparation has been. If any of these three just turned up looking for success without having put in the hard work in advance, they would be very disappointed. Enduring hardship is about being ready and prepared for what may come. Paul knew that what lay ahead for Timothy actually didn't look good. To be a Christian at that time was a tough, tough call. And Paul mentions his present sufferings in his dark, dank cell in verse 9. I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But he endured, he'd endured terrible hardship in seeking to share the gospel to as many people as possible long before this. When you get home, read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 to 12, and chapter 6, verses 3 to 10 for a flavour. You'll read there of beatings, of shipwrecks, of stonings, of 
These are just some of the everyday things that Paul seemed to have endured in hardship for Jesus. But he also shares the reason for enduring the terrible hardships in verse 10. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That's the ones that God will call to himself, those that God will save. That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. There was a purpose, there was a reason for him enduring all of this hardship for the name of Christ. So how does Paul use these three examples to help Timothy? And what can we learn from them? In verses 3 and 4, you notice he speaks about a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Those of us who are a little bit older will remember that there was a time when the idea of the Christian soldier was very popular. In him, such as onward Christian soldiers marching on to war, stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. They're considered to be a bit politically incorrect these days, so we don't sing them anymore, which is a bit of a shame, but there we go. What is Paul's point about the soldier? I think it's about devotion. Devotion to the commanding officer and to the cause. I remember becoming very frustrated when I was playing golf with my son and nephew, as they kept stopping to check their phones while we were playing golf, to check the latest football scores or to see what anyone was saying on Twitter. And I got very frustrated, which is hard, because I'm a very patient person normally. <laughs> but on the golf course, you've got, there's a certain etiquette, and it doesn't involve mobile phones. So in the end, I said, right, that's it. If you don't put them away, the game is going to stop. I said, I'm going to refuse to play unless you put your phones in your pockets. I mean, imagine the soldier in the midst of battle stopping to check their iPhone or their iPad every couple of minutes. You know, you can imagine the consequences, can't you? Just terrible. But something the picture here that, that Paul is giving is of someone trying to run a business at the same time as being on active duty, being involved in civilian affairs. So he says, you know, if you're in the army, if you're on... In, in the field, you know, you can't keep running back and, and sorting things out at home. You've got to be all one or the other. The message here is surely that if we want to please our commanding officer, in our case Jesus, we need to be wholehearted, giving him our total devotion, our full focus. And if we're going to be able to endure hardship, we need to have our wits about us. To put aside the trivial and unimportant, anything that would divert our attention from our high calling in Jesus. We need to keep focused on Jesus and his teaching. So that's the good soldier, but what about competing as an athlete in verse 5? He says the athlete must compete according to the rules or face the prospect of being denied the prize. That would have been the laurel wreath, or in our days, the gold medal, for which they're striving. I wonder if you were one of those people that always tried to find a shortcut when doing cross-country at school. I wasn't, because that was one of the few things I was good at at school. I could win the cross-country by keeping the rules and 
doing the whole course. And so I didn't cheat. But how strange it's been to see athletes like Jessica Ennis Hill receiving medals years after the event because the people that were originally in the race were disqualified because they were drug cheats. They didn't compete according to the rules. And so they've had their medals snatched away from them and given to somebody else. What is Paul's point here? Timothy was not just facing persecution from outside the church. Sadly, there were those from within the Christian community who were watering down the gospel of truth. Some, as I mentioned in chapter 3 and verse 5, who had a form of godliness but denied its power. So as one called to serve in God's kingdom, Timothy needed to follow the rules laid down by God to preach and teach the truth that had been handed down to him, to show love to God's people and to exercise discipline in his own spiritual life. So how important it is that we help and support those who will be our spiritual leaders in the next few months, to enable those to keep the rules of church leadership and that we too strive alongside them, that we together might receive the victor's crown in due time. So we need to keep the rules like the athlete. And then there's the hard-working farmer in verse 6. I always think that being a farmer looks very attractive on a sunny day. But I guess the reality is a bit different in the middle of winter when it's cold and drizzly and it's, there's a wind chill factor of minus 10 and you've still got to go out there. A bit of a different story. But why does the farmer work hard and energetically? It's because he or she is looking for the reward, for the result of their labours, the crop, the fruit. And Paul is calling Timothy to also work hard and energetically as he faces up to the hardships of living for Christ. Yes, there'll be the good sunny days, but there'll also be the desperate days in the depths of winter. But the same attitude is required. It will be important to remember who you are working for and what you're working towards. And for us here, there'll be tough and uncertain times while we await God's plan for the future to be revealed to us. There'll be good days and bad days, days when we might not feel like being part of this family, when we might feel like we want to get out and go somewhere else. But when you feel like that, remember who you're working for, Jesus and what you're working towards, his glory. Thinking about the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer, William Hendrickson writes, when a person fights wholeheartedly for the good cause, cause, competes according to the rules, and works energetically, he will receive a glorious reward. And the NIV study Bible comments, the main lesson 
is that dedicated effort will be rewarded, not necessarily financially, but in the enjoyment of seeing the gospel produce changed lives. Paul asked Timothy to reflect on these things. He says, reflect on these things. Take time to stop and think, and the Lord will give you insight into these things. And it will be good for us also to reflect on these things so that we too might receive insight to help us through the journey ahead. But finally, in conclusion, verses 8 to 13, Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Paul brings Timothy's attention back to his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We haven't got time to consider these verses in detail, but it's important to note what Paul is saying. I think what he's saying is when the going is tough and you're not sure how you're going to cope, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember who he is. Remember what he has done. Remember where he is now. Remember that he is the risen one. He has died for you. He paid the price for your rebellion against God. He's overcome sin, death, hell, and Satan. Not only that, Paul speaks about Jesus being descended from David. That speaks of his kingship. So not only is he the living one, he is also the reigning one. So Paul says, remember who is with you, helping you to be strong and to endure hardships. It is Jesus Christ, the living one, the reigning one. He says, remember too that God's word cannot be chained. God's word cannot be chained. The Holy Spirit cannot be controlled by men and women. We too, whatever we face as a church and as individuals in the days ahead, need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the risen one, the reigning one. Paul quotes in these last few verses what is probably an early Christian hymn, remind us, reminding us that when we endure hardship, in the name of Christ, as a soldier, as an athlete, as a farmer, that there is a reward, there is glory. And that's what we're striving for. I'd like to finish with the words that American friends used to put on the end of their emails to me. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> Amen.